Welcome to The Workplace, a podcast by Cal Chamber. I'm Matthew Roberts, the Labor Law Helpline Manager and Employment Law Counsel with the California Chamber of Commerce. As we approach the second anniversary of Governor Gavin Newsom's declaration of a public health emergency due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we're really starting to see a lot of signs of the state moving away from the intense regulatory schemes that's dominated much of the last two years. Quarantine and isolation guidance continues to soften. Uh, Mask mandates are all but a thing of the past at this point, and Governor Newsom continues to signal an eventual move away from the declaration of emergency and into more of a COVID-19 endemic plan where we view the virus much like the seasonal flu. However, today we're going to discuss a legislative effort to establish a workplace COVID-19 vaccine mandate uh, that was introduced through Assembly Bill 1993, uh, principally introduced by Assemblymember Buffy Wicks and co-introduced and co-authored by several other Assembly members and senators. To work through the nuts and bolts of AB 1993's legislative proposal, we're welcoming back Cal Chamber's policy advocate focusing on employment issues, Ashley Hoffman. Ashley, it's good to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Matt. So, Ashley, you know, a few months ago, we endured quite a saga over workplace vaccine mandates where we had the introduction of the federal OSHA's rule um, that would apply to employers with 100 or more employees. Ultimately, that vaccine or test rule, as it became to be known, was blocked by the U.S. Supreme Court, effectively ending a national mandate. Now, California also had an opportunity to consider their own Cal-OSHA rule, and they ultimately declined to do so as well. So I find it curious that we're back here months later with a legislative proposal, despite the state's signal move away from the general COVID-19 mandates. So Ashley, talk for with us a little bit about the background of AB 1993 and, and what that bill intends to propose um, as far as requirements on employers. So last summer, there was a proposal that floated out there a little bit and never made it into an actual bill, but that was towards the end of the session. And so there was an agreement really to push this idea off until January. And so AB 1993 was introduced by Assemblymember Wicks, um, and it would be a vaccination mandate for all public and private employers, um, you know, large and small. Um, and this time around, it's just a hard mandate. Um, so previously, there was a, a potential proposal of a testing alternative for unvaccinated people, and this one does not include such an alternative. Um, there are, of course, exceptions for people who have qualifying religious or disability um, reasons who need um, accommodations under the Fair Employment and Housing Act or, or similar federal laws. Um, and the bill actually does uh, specifically instruct the state agencies to help develop guidance on that. Um, you know, the vaccination definition noticeably does not include boosters. Um, it really does just include the two shots um, from a two-shot vaccine like Moderna or Pfizer, or of course, you know, Johnson to Johnson, which is just one shot. And it, it appears, you know, the definition's a little bit vague. It appears that you would qualify as long as you got the first shot um, and then show that you got the second shot no later than 45 days later. Um, and compliance for this would start January 1st, 2023. So literally the day that the bill takes effect, you would be required to report compliance to the department. So pretty straightforward, you know, vaccine mandate, only exceptions are the ones we've known under the law, really the religious and disability reasons that um, we've understood if we had implemented our own vaccine mandates as employers um, and something that, you know, would start January 1st. So understandably, kind of in this climate, the chamber had some issues with the language of this bill. And on that basis, um, you know, I've seen this chamber issued a letter of concern to the author. Um, Ashley, let's go over some of the issues that you highlighted in your letter 
starting with what I think a lot of employers would have concerns about with any vaccine mandate at this point, and that's employee recruitment and retention. What's the concern about this bill's impact on hiring and retention? Sure. And, you know, as we start to talk about some of these concerns, I do want to reiterate that we do expect the bill will probably change. Um, this was really an introduction to get feedback from, from us, from, from a lot of other groups. Um, so definitely want to stay tuned into Cal Chambers as we continue to update this on the changes. But as the draft is now, we had a lot of members concerned about retention and recruitment. You know, there is a large labor shortage. Um, Goldman Sachs actually issued recently a report saying that 98% of small businesses are concerned about hiring, that it's affecting their financial bottom line. Um, 80 something percent, things like 88 percent or so, um, we're having a hard time finding qualified candidates for jobs. Um, so their concern is that the second you impose this hard mandate, you could lose a significant number of your workforce. Um, even if you know, you're not losing too many people, that could be high level people that have been around for years, that have a lot of institutional knowledge that are very difficult to replace. Um, or it could include you know, having to terminate workers who have been on the front lines during the whole entire pandemic. Um, and you know, we had some members say, hey, for morale, that would be really difficult to have expected these people to work in person through this entire situation and then now have to terminate them. Yeah, and I think that has to be a paramount concern for the legislature, right? Because, you know, full economic recovery that I think everyone agrees we want to move towards really hinges in large part on businesses being able to fully staff their operations. In that same vein, the bill requires employers to not only recognize or not only require, excuse me, vaccination of their employers, but also of any independent contractors that they hire. Um, it, it seems that we might have some similar concerns about this language, don't we, Ashley? Yeah, we do. And and I do want to emphasize, you know, we as Cal Chamber are very supportive of COVID-19 vaccinations. We think that vaccinations are really the key to keeping our economy open. Um, but that said, you know, when you are shifting really the burden on the employer to track not only their employees, but then also anyone that they contract with, that is a big burden. I mean, you think about employers located in rural areas who may have very limited contractors who might be very specialized, and it could be very difficult then for them to be able to actually contract out. Um, and then also just really the administrative burden, of course, of trying to keep track of documents and things of, of a worker who's not actually your employee. Maybe they actually do have an employer, you know, uh, who then is really responsible for this. There's a lot of open questions that come with this mandate. So, Ashley, an interesting aspect of this bill I found was regarding proof of vaccination. And, you know, as, as those who know me are familiar with with how I get involved with this stuff is I really get into the weeds on, you know, all things employment law. Um, and I found it interesting about what it talked about with proof of vaccination, because throughout the pandemic, when we've had vaccination issues, whether it's the Cal OSHA ETS and those rules differing based on vaccination or the federal OSHA mandate or CDPH vaccine mandates that we have here in California, there's a lot of detailed language about what you have to get and how to hold on to it, how to retain that documentation for compliance. So how does this bill address proof of vaccination and you know, why are we concerned about the current language in it? Yeah, great point, Matt. So we are concerned because the bill explicitly says that you are actually not allowed to retain 
um, documentation of proof of vaccination unless the employee specifically allows you to. Um, so, you know, one issue that you brought up already was compliance. You know, if the department um, or potentially litigation comes up and you have to prove compliance, how are you supposed to do that without documentation? You know, maybe you can make a check mark on a, a Excel sheet or something, but that's that's not really sufficient, right? Um, and then second, that actually largely conf conflicts with existing regulations uh, regarding COVID. So for example, for hospitals who are under the CDPH vaccination mandate, they are actually required under that regulation to maintain those records. And then Calosha, um, while not really actually explicitly requiring documentation, it does encourage it. Um, it explicitly says in their FAQs that they encourage documentation, which is why they have exempted this kind of documentation from their 30-year retention rule. And then also, um, when we're talking about, you know, treating people potentially differently, if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, in order to be able to do that, you have to have documentation. And so if you don't have documentation of the vaccination status, you have to treat everyone as unvaccinated, which means that they would be subject to different rules, um, usually would have to be kept out of the workplace longer, etc. Yeah. And lastly, you know, as with all government mandates or government requirements, right here at the chamber, we're really concerned about exposing employers to, you know, yet another avenue for litigation. Uh, what are the dangers with this bill that we highlight for Assemblymember Wicks? Yeah, so the way that the proposed bill was placed in the Fair Employment and Housing Act, it would fall under un, um, I think it's the unfair practices, which would mean that you could file a private right of action. You could file either a complaint directly with the department that they would investigate, or you could just get your immediate right to sue notice and file in court. So that means that you would have private attorneys basically being the ones enforcing this, um, which would surely mean, you know, kind of opening the floodgates to litigation. Um, so our suggestion is that the department should have exclusive control over enforcement. All right, Ashley. Well, before we conclude and, you know, before everyone listening starts tearing out their hair and grinding their teeth about more COVID-19 mandates, I did want to remind every, everyone what, you know, Ashley said at the outset. This is a legislative proposal, of course, and, you know, this is not a law at this time. Um, and Ashley, I think this would be a good opportunity really to just kind of refresh on the process that this bill would have to go through and, and to become a law and how listeners can have their voices heard if they're interested in participating in the process. Yeah, so as we mentioned, this is just a bill proposal. Um, again, do you probably expect, you know, some amendments to come through once a lot of other groups have talked to the assembly member, um, ourselves included. Um, so stay tuned, you know, for our updates on that. Um, but first, it would have to be referred to committees. Um, you know, likely it would go to labor, potentially maybe health or judiciary or something. It would then have to get out of there. It would have to pass the assembly floor. From there, it goes to the Senate, kind of has to go through the same process, and then goes to the governor's desk. Um, and unless uh, Assemblymember Wicks is able to get approval from two-thirds of both houses, um, the bill would not take effect until January 1st of 2023. The only way that you can get something to take effect immediately is through that two-thirds vote process. So still quite a long road to go. Excellent. Thank you, Ashley. So yeah, a long winding road for this one to go through. Um, so it's always important, as Ashley said, um, stay in tune with us, um, keep in touch with the news as with all employment law updates and proposals um, so that you're on the cutting edge and can get to compliance as quickly as possible should we have to go that route. Well, Ashley, it was a treat as always to have you providing some insight into the workings going on at the Capitol. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thank you listeners for joining this discussion on The Workplace. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Cal Chambers podcast by visiting calchamber.com. 